Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Our spirits are open. Deposit yourself into us. Reveal yourself to us as we hear your word. That we will not be the same again. Because the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Most of the time, people underestimate and trivialize the importance of scriptural understanding. So when Philip saw the Ethiopian eunuch, he asked him a very important question. Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you are reading? Because your comprehension, your understanding will determine your take-home pay. It's, it's, it's so important. We understand that. And sometimes many people trivialize doctrine. They think, what is it I need? You see, usually, if you don't take care, you would want to use God instead of God using you. And it is that attitude that leads to trivializing doctrine. Because if you want God to use you, then you, 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 it's, it arises or arouses an interest in knowing more about how God does things, what he wants, how he wants things done, than more about what you want. So in our days, if you are teaching a message, uh, many pastors have to teach a message and shroud it into what you will get, what God will do for you. So we have raised a breed of people in this generation, particularly in the charismatic circles. If we are not massaging people's egos on people's um, rubbish in the soul, as for me, this is the way I was raised, this is the way I am. So everything must be built around that too. Oh, you know, you are a very complicated person. You have suffered a lot in life. Things haven't gone well for you in life. So we all have to, you know, God understands. And so messages have to be couched around people's feelings and their personalities. And it's keeping people in perpetual bondage. And if it's not that, it is the messages must be preached to give you a sense of it is okay. God is about to do it. Wait, wait. God is about to do it for you now. No, 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 no. You need it. You need it from God. God is about to do it. So then everything has been built around what people are going to get. But you are not in the kingdom to get, per se. You are in the kingdom because you came to die. It starts with dying. Denying yourself. So where is all this what I'm getting? coming from God. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ who lives in me. So, if Christ is living in you, why is it about you? And not about him? Is that one getting what I'm saying? Now, Paul told Timothy that, he said, watch your doctrine very carefully because a time is coming when they will not give heed to these things, the Bible says, after itching ears, they will, they will heap up, they will heap teachers according to their own itching ears. Because what you have to tell them, they don't want to listen to it. 
So he told Timothy how he should be strong in, in doctrine and in instructions. Because it is your, watch this, it is your doctrine that defines your destiny. It's your doctrine. So in the early church, it's not what you, you don't, when you come into church, they don't ask you what you want, where you are coming from. They don't ask you um, what you think. Uh, <laughs> okay, just write some things where you think the church can do better so we can serve you better. <laughs> you are not here for the church to serve you. You are here to serve God and serve the church. The earlier you get it, the better. This is not a supermarket. It's not about customer service. No, Drop it! Yes, sir. It's kingdom service. It's about what you are in to do, mm-hmm. not what you are in to get. No, it's what you are in to do which qualifies you for his hands, yeah. what he has in stock for his people. Because then he blesses you for his purpose. Read your Bible very carefully. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's not doing it for anybody. He's doing it for himself. Because anything he will do for you, he's done it already. He died so that your sins will be forgiven. That's the biggest of all blessings. So as soon as you come in, they ask you, what brought you in? Why are you here? What brought you in? And they want to listen to your motive, your agenda, your understanding for what we are doing. If you don't have it, they tell you that you and your money perish. Get out of here. You don't have a part in this. Because this is a kingdom assignment. It's a kingdom agenda. So how does it start? Do you believe in that Jesus is Lord? If you say, I believe in it, then on your confession of Christ as Lord and Savior, they baptize you when you are in. So if you say Jesus is Lord, that by implication you are saying the Holy Spirit is God. You believe in the Trinity. You are saying that you believe he died, Jesus died and rose again. He died for our sins. We have forgiveness of sins in Christ. You believe in the fact that he's going to come again. You believe in that the Holy Spirit is working with us at the moment. You believe in the fact that when it comes, you believe. That's when it, this so the Apostles' Creed did not start with the apostles. It's not the apostles who put it together. But after the church began to grow, all kinds of things started coming in. So when the church was growing, the first thing God, Paul told Timothy as a pastor, he said, watch your doctrine. Watch your doctrine. Not, not the miracles you are working. It's your doctrines that endorse your miracles. Because Satan himself can also do that. The only thing is that the miracles that the devil does or the, the signs and those, those, those things the devil does, it ends up bringing people into bondage. And when God does it, he says, he who the son says free. <laughs> but he who the devil says free is into another higher bondage. <laughs> you are bound forever. Hallelujah. So he said, watch your doctrine. Right? In fact, this is how he told Timothy. Let's look at Timothy. First Timothy. I'll go to that creed. But we have to see the weight of doctrine, teachings. In the first place, the Bible says that they continued in the apostles' doctrines. Hallelujah. And when you read down, the Bible says God did many things by the hands of the apostles. Jesus says that, go into the world and preach the gospel. He said, make disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. He says that all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go into the world and preach the gospel and, and, and make disciples. He said, go into the world and make disciples. Go into all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The next verse says that, what does the, the next verse say? Teaching them. Did you see that? Baptize and teach them. Teaching them all the things. Teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded. So it's, this thing is about teaching. Jesus said, go, make disciples, teach them. Go, make disciples, teach them. Go, make disciples, teach them. So if you're a, a real disciple, you have to be taught. So the blessings in the kingdom is for disciples. 
Now, disciples are not, see, disciple fundamentally is not for just laying hands on people and casting out them. No, discipleship is about teaching. So when you study the Bible very carefully in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, 9, and 10, Bible says that when there was an uproar against Paul, the Bible says he withdrew himself, he took the disciples to one school of Tyrannus in Acts chapter 19, from verse 7 down was 8, 9, and 10. He took them to uh, one school of Tyrannus and, and reasoning with them daily. All right? he, redrew, he departed from them, redrew the disciples, reasoning with them uh, daily in the school of Tyrannus. This happened, continued for two years. It continued to the extent that now all Asia had the word. In Acts chapter 19, verse 20, Bible says that, so the word of God grew a mighty... It's the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Listen to this, it's the word. It's very interesting. So mightily the word of God, the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. Mm. So he said, teach the word. And when we're teaching the word, it's not just that um, um, anything, you just look for something in the Bible and just be screaming about it. Get people to understand, get comprehension. Because your understanding in the things of scripture, that is what will define the outcome of your destiny. Now, Watch this. But yeah, Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding in Proverbs. But watch this. It's very, very interesting. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said, all scripture. Say all scripture. All scripture. Oh, I can't hear you. All all right, let's all read it out loud. Let's go. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for what? It's profitable for what? It's profitable for what? I can't hear you. All scripture. Every part of scripture is profitable for doctrine. Then it goes on to say, talk about it's profitable for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. But it starts with doctrine. Scripture, I don't know how, where, this, where people got it from anyway, from the devil anyway. People thinking that you, you put the Bible under your pillow and that makes you have good dreams. No, the Bible under your pillow it doesn't work. It's not a charm. It's not an amulet. It's not an, uh, uh, an it's just, it's the Bible inside you. Inside you. If it doesn't enter you, forget it. And then the, someone sees a demon and go and take the Bible in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't work. Stop it. Stop it. Let it enter you. Say so all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrines. So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says doctrine, doctrine is important because if you don't know the kind of doctrine you believe, Satan will teach you his own. Satan will teach you his own. One day, you will find yourself somewhere, and then you go, and then you, you end up joining some church, and they tell you that, oh, in this church, um, we, we, do, we, we remove our shoes every time. And then when you come, we sit on the floor and we roll in. And once you roll, you, ha- you need um, anything. You, you need uh, the Bible, and you need the Quran. Because the Bible says, no, they will tell you all kinds of things. But if you don't know your doctrine, you think, well, that's fine. If you don't know your doctrine, if you don't know your doctrine, you think, that's fine. And many people are being deceived, particularly a lot of gullible folks, ignorant folks, little-minded folks, who will not bother themselves to look for the things of God. Little-minded folks. These people are just being deceived and deceiving. Deceiving and being deceived. I mean, after, after a church where you have to go and see the pastor, and there's a long queue. You have to see him for a private prophecy. And the amount of money you pay determines where you are in the queue. What was, was that? And then many people say, oh, but the man works wonders. Well, man, the one, well, man is doing amazing. No, that, that wonders is exchanging your peace. So he's giving you something, temporal peace. But later on, you pay ten times more. You ask those people who go to or call to go and get children. 
straight how the children turn out to be. Praise the Lord. But First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says that, it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, we are in the latter times, how many agree with me? Yeah. In latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So if we don't let you know what the doctrines of God is, you accept the doctrine of demons. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. It says that, that you know, be no longer be children being taught to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Doctrine is like a wind. It will blow you somewhere by every wind of doctrine. Colossians chapter 2, verse 22. It talks about how we have to be careful and it's important that we, we stay true to true doctrine. It's so important. So the doctrine that you, are, you, are, you know will define to a large extent how your life turns out. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. We just saw it. And look at verse 6. Look at First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. First Timothy chapter 1. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and word in good doctrine, which, which, are, which you are full. So you, your nourishment, the things that nourish you is faith, okay? The words of faith and good doctrine. That's what nourishes you. That's what keeps you strong. When you have uh, words of faith and good doctrine, Satan backs off from you. Because you are well nourished. You are well nourished. Someone say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Look at verse 16 of the same chapter. Verse 16. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What does it say? Take it. Before that, let's go to verse 13. Let's go to verse 13. Let me show you something in the verse 13. Till I come, keep attention to reading and to doctrine. Look at verse 16 now. It says, look at this. This is very serious. Take, this is what the, the bishop told the pastor when he was traveling, leaving him in Ephesus to pastor the church. Because Ephesus church was one of the powerful churches in those times. And he says that, take it to yourself and to, to their doctrine. Continue in what? Yeah. What do you think that them is talking about? Doctrine. doctrine. Continue in the good doctrine. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who are hearing you. Right. Good doctrine will save your life. Yes, good doctrine, sound doctrine is for your future peace. So that's why it is necessary, that's why it's necessary to focus on teaching people the ways of God, for them to have a comprehensive understanding as much as possible of the doctrines of God, so they stay safe, and your future is always secured. Someone say amen. amen. So it's, it starts with the doctrine, and the, the basic funda fundamental doctrine upon which everything builds on is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, so I explained to you that how he said, we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator who is he created the heaven and the earth. So God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. So then we go to, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, all right? His only son, our Lord, who then he goes to talk about the Christological confession, which is he was born, he died, he suffered, he died, he was buried, he went to hell, he ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, he will come and judge the, the living and the dead. So all these are the Christological confession, the confession about Christ, which you have to believe. If you don't believe that, you, you are not a Christian. That's the foundation of it. Or if you become a Christian and suddenly you decide to disbelieve any of these things, it's going to have a negative, big negative impact on your destiny and your life. So then it goes on, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So the, watch this. It's, it's basically the things we believe. So what do we believe in? God the Father? What do we believe in? God the Son? What do we believe in? God the Holy Spirit. This is serious, the Trinity. The Trinity. It is, it's, that's where it starts from. God is... Three in one. One God. 
but three persons. Now, we believe that. That's what the, uh, the Bible teaches. That's what the apostles taught. That's what they believed, what they believed in. Right. So, one God, but three persons. All of them, there's no senior, junior, better or best or good. They are all the same, co-equal. They are all eternal. So whatever, if Jesus is everywhere, Holy Spirit is everywhere, God is the same. Without, you can't divide them. Uh, they are Trinity. They, they, have, they, are, they are united, and yet they are individuals. They are persons, separate persons. So this is what we believe in. So it starts, and when you read the Bible very carefully, particularly in the New Testament, where the economy of God, the things of God, the, the revelation of God is really made bare and clear, clearly. You see, almost every, every book of the New Testament depicts the Trinity. Some even in their introduction, in their salutation, you can see the Trinitarian formula. So we believe, say we believe in the Trinity. Trinity. I can't hear you. And then it's a, that's not it. So we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That's very important. So we believe in forgiveness of sins. From God, it comes to us. So it starts with God. Then, so it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins. So, so it, we come to the Holy Catholic Church, the church, the body of Christ. All right. So God, it comes to us in the body. Now, how do you get into the body of Christ? Forgiveness of sins. You can't, you can't be a part of the church without having been forgiven your sins. I'll explain it. Being a member of a church, of the, being a member of the church starts with forgiveness of sins. Can I say that again? All right, let me put it in another way so that being a Christian, Christianity starts with forgiveness of sins. It starts with Christ, but for us, you have to be forgiven your sins. It's called justification. Before you end. So I believe in forgiveness. I believe in uh, the Holy Catholic Church. That's the universal church. The forgiveness of sins. The communion of saints. After you have been forgiven your sins, you have to hang around with people who have also been forgiven and fellowship, share fellowship with them. And we are all one. Say we are all one. We are all one. All right. So communion of, uh, of saints and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. I explain how Physically, we shall be resurrected. Physically, not spirit. No, physically. We will see each other in a glorified body. It's it's a physical body, but it's glorified. Like when Jesus resurrected, he still went to heaven with body. The Bible said, and he was taken up into the clouds before their eyes. An angel said, this Jesus who you saw, the way you see him, will you see him come back? So he went with the body. He went with the body. And then... We are also going to be resurrected. In, in Thessalonians, it talks about on the last trial, those who are dead in Christ shall rise first. So they will catch up. Their physical bodies will, will rise. And then those of us who are alive at the coming of the Christ will also be caught up with them. So we don't have to die. We don't have to. But then the only change is that the body will become glorified. Amen. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That is when there will be no more sickness. But that glorified body doesn't get tired. The glorified body can, can go through. It doesn't need a car. So those of you who think you are going to heaven to go and use a car, drop it. It doesn't need a car. The glorified body can go through walls. It doesn't need keys. So the glorified body is not the same as this body. It doesn't know weaknesses. doesn't know limitations. doesn't know tiredness. It doesn't know sicknesses. There shall be no more sickness. Now watch this. So he said, I believe in, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the union of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We're going to enjoy permanently. Amen. 
and the life everlasting. Amen. And the life everlasting. Amen. Now, how about the amen? Bible says that uh, it, it taught Moses. So when Moses declared the things over the people's life, they end by saying amen. Amen is let it be so. Amen, it means that constant. It means that faithful. All right, amen. Amen is a reflection of the character of God. So when you say amen, you are bringing the character of God to bear. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, look at that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible tells us about how and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, right? These things say who? who, who these things say who? These things say who? The amen. He is the faithful and true witness. He is, actually, he calls himself the amen. And the constant one, the faithful one, the, the reliable one. You know, that is why I say he's a, a faithful and true witness. Now, the Laodicean church was a church that was very funny. Very, very funny church. The Laodicean church was a church that they know. They know a lot. So he said that, I have something against you because you say you know. Go, go to the next verse, verse 15. Go, oh, let me show you something. They are lukewarm. Today they are in praise and worship. Tomorrow they are not. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Okay. So he said, you are neither cold. We don't know where you stand. Cold or hot. It's like you are too in church to be out. And yet you are too out of church to be in. Is it possible that you are coming for other reasons? Is it possible? You are a Christian. You are born again. But you, you, you are not taking a stand for Jesus. So you are neither cold nor hot. Go to the next verse. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. <laughs> now this is what amen, amen means. This is what the amen is saying. He said, you think you have everything. You think you are rich in everything, yet you don't know you are impoverished and poor. Because you say, I am rich, I have, I have become wealthy, and have need, I have need of nothing, and, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's the Laodicean church. They are the kind of people who come to church and they are born again, but they want to be treated as customers. They want to be treated as customers for recognition. Oh, we have this important person here. Hello, sir. We are very honored to have you coming, sir. Hey, thank you very much for coming, madam. They, they come to the presence of God with their crowns on. They come with their titles. Don't you know who I am? I'm a professor emeritus. I've worked with Clinton for several years. Don't you know the kind of car I drive? Don't you know where I live? You think you are rich. You are poor, miserable, and wretched. No, I didn't say that. He said it. And this, he was writing to a church. Laodicean church. He said, this is what the amen is saying. Amen means he's God is constant. He's faithful. He's reliable. You can count on him. When we say amen, that means I can count on God. So shall it be. So when, the, when Moses declared these things, he said that, in fact, very interesting, the first time I saw, I saw, he said, let the people say amen. The scripture. It was even kind of case related. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15. Let's look at that. That's very interesting. Deuteronomy 27, verse 15. It was kind of talking about some interesting instructions that this is what shall happen to the children of Israel. Or this is what will happen if you don't obey me. And this is the kind of case I'm going to put on the people or whatever. And he said, when he said, Cursed is the one who, uh, who made a curved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the works of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in, the, in secret. He said, it's cursed. He said, all the people shall say, Amen. 
Meaning, let it be so. God is faithful. God is just. God is true. When you say so, when we say amen, we're actually bringing the character of God, the faithfulness of God, the integrity of God to bear. So most of the time, when we even talk about to him be glory forever and ever, we're saying amen. He has the final say. His character is final. What he says is final. What he can do is final. Someone shout amen. Amen. Our God is mighty. Shout amen. Amen. And the Lord has blessed you. Shout amen. Amen. When you say amen, you are saying that everything that has been said before the amen, as I understand it, is so in my life. And that's going to be my experience. That's going to be my practice. I discovered in the New Testament that almost every book in the New Testament finishes with amen. Every book ends with amen. And the epistles actually, every, almost every epistle, almost every epistle ends with grace to you. Grace be unto you. Christ be with you. Grace be with your spirit. Christ be with your spirit. Grace be to you. And then he ends by saying, Amen. Amen. Grace is a New Testament word. There's no way you see grace in the Old Testament. So he ends almost every epistle ends with grace and then Amen. There are only two books in the Old New Testament which doesn't end with Amen, which is James. James and Third John. But every other book, every other book, and there is even a reason. Every other book ends with Amen. Amen. So shall it be. So shall it be. Bringing the integrity of God to bear. Bringing the integrity of God to bear. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. It says, Amen. And let's, let's go to go in Revelation. He who testifies to these things say, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even, even, even so, come Lord Jesus. That was not the end. The last one also came with an Amen. But this one, he said, so two verses, Amen. Back to back. Amen, amen. Someone say amen, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. <laughs> uh, meaning let it be so. Somebody's blessed. Amen. <laughs> the blessing of God is on you. Amen. The favor of God is on you. Amen. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, I like that text. Verse 5 and 6 talks about how he has made us. And from, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, uh, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to, our, uh, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever, forever, and amen. amen. Forever and ever, amen. amen. Forever and ever, amen. amen. So to him be the glory forever and ever. And you, when you say amen, you are saying that I bring the character of God to bear on this. I admit it. Uh, I, I agree with it. And I know it's constant. And what, by, watch, I like this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. By saying amen, you are extending the, the influence, the impact, the meaning of that into your life. Do you understand that? That's what it means when you say amen. Every blessing that comes with what has just been said about God, you are endorsing it into your life. Finally, let me show you this scripture. It's, it's, I think it's one of the interests. Besides the um, saying that this is what the amen says, he says, my name is amen. Can you imagine? He just said, my name is amen. I am I'm the amen. Why did he say, I am the amen? Watch this. This is very important. Without him, God can help you. All the apostles, everything you believe, everything of everything you know in the Bible, it's him that makes it a reality. Right. That's why I say, I'm the amen. This is what the amen is saying. This amen, I'm amen. 
Whatever the church can enjoy. The Bible talks about how unto him, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask, ask of, be the glory in the church. So he, everything the church exists for, exists. The Bible says that who is the head of the church? Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, 23, 23. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I like that one. That's where we end up. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Are you there? I think this one we should all read it together. Don't you think it's a good idea? All right, shall we all read it out loud? Let's go. For all the promises of God. Let's read it out again. Let's go. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God through us. It's how glory comes to God through us. So how many promises? How many? Whatever God can do for you. For all the promises of God, all the things God has said, the ones he said to Abraham, the ones he keeps saying, all the promises of God, say all. All All the promises of healing, prosperity, peace, breakthrough, heaven, uh, enjoyment, and protection, covering, holy spirit, all the promises of God in him are yes. So when you are in him, suddenly, yes, yes. When you are in him, God said, that's it. When you are in him, everything answers for you. When you are in Christ, everything God has said is yours for the taking. And then in him, and in him, amen. In other words, once you are in him, it settles the case, settles the matter. Every promise of God, it's amen. Being in Christ means amen for you. You understand that? Yeah. The further you are in Christ means everything God has said is amen for you. Amen. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. All the promises of God in him are yes. You got it? Yes, I got it. You got it? Yes. So you don't wait for things to happen. Once you are in him, you know that yes is that's already taking place. Yes. Yes. Someone say yes. Shout yes. Yes. Shout yes. Yes. Once you are him, it's yes for you. All the promises of God is they are endorsed in our lives once you are in Christ. And in him, amen. Amen ends everything. It ends it. It said it settles. That's why the scriptures, the New Testament, I told you, all the most virtually all the books, it ends with amen. I've finished saying what I have to say. I've finished saying what I have to say. And God's character is now to bear. God's faithfulness will prove this thing. Amen. So when you shout amen, you say that, God, every promise you have said, once I'm in Christ, what I'm even hearing, it is so in my life. Your amen. character will do it. This is so in my life. Amen. Your faithfulness will do it. Amen. Your mercies will do it. Amen. Your goodness and kindness will do it. Someone shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. And upon that note, I declare, I stand here and declare that you are blessed that it is well with you. You will not be put to shame. Heaven will remain open on your life. Heaven on earth will be your experience. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everything Christ died for us, you are receiving it in the name of Jesus. It's going to answer to you. Life will not frustrate you. Life will be under your command. You will not be put to shame. Heaven will help you. Heaven is helping you. Someone who believes in shout a living amen.
Thank you, Jesus. This is what the amen says. I am he who died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He has made us kings and priests. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at carries.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.